So this morning, we are continuing our series, uh, Bless. If, for those of you who maybe weren't here two weeks ago, we began this series talking about Bless, which is an acronym we'll get into it in a moment, um, but talking about blessing people as a way to encourage them in faith. And two weeks ago, um, we were, I was preaching out of the story of Zacchaeus when Jesus was walking uh, towards Jericho and little Zacchaeus, and we talked about uh, some of the Sunday school versions of that and how uh, they don't do justice to just how rotten Zacchaeus was. Um, but yet Jesus still went to him and said, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today. I need to come to your house today. And we see Zacchaeus' response to faith, this guy that everybody else thought was a lost cause, was beyond, uh, beyond help, beyond saving, yet Jesus went to him and spoke grace to him. And Zacchaeus responded with faith. And we see this in the point of this story, one of the points that I wanted us to see was that Jesus is on mission. Jesus, the Lord God, is on a mission to save, to bring salvation, to bring reconciliation, to bring God's kingdom, to proclaim his kingdom. And if we have a God who's on mission, then that makes us, followers of Jesus, a people on mission. So oftentimes, you know, especially over the last few generations, churches viewed mission as something you do uh, when you have extra time. Or, you know, if you're really spiritual, then you, uh, then you go out and mission. And usually when we say mission, we tend to, tend to think of, I have to go some way halfway around the world. Um, but actually, mission is something that happens as soon as we walk out the door. Our community is, for most of us, this community is our mission field where God has called us to be a blessing, to encourage others in faith, to live faithfully in front of them. So this last week I've been uh, working through this series, Blessed. And if you have this insert in your bulletin, um, we began this series, Blessed. Covenant churches across North America are going through this, uh, through this series. And Blessed is actually an acronym. And if you look just right down here on this, on this little corner here of this um, insert, he talks about what blessed stands for. And this morning we're going to begin with B, which is begin with prayer. And, and talking about how, like ways that we can pray, and we're going to study some scripture, uh, watch how Jesus prayed. But it always begins with prayer. And then, two, and then the next one is listen with care. And I don't know if they meant to rhyme that, but anyways, it maybe helps a little bit. Um, begin with prayer and then listen with care. And then the next one is to eat together, share meals together. It's interesting, in the ancient world, if you shared a meal with someone, there's a way of bringing them into your circle. There's a way of connecting with them. Even um, uh, in temples, uh, even in the Old Testament, actually, of, of giving a sacrifice, part of it was to eat it, too, as a way of communing with God. And I think there's some of that underlying even our uh, sacrament of the Lord's Supper. It's a way of communing. That's why we call it communion, of communing with God through that meal. So eating together is important. The other thing, too, is then to serve and love, to find ways to help people, um, to be just a blessing to them. And then the last one is to share your story. Um, and the point is, is that after you've spent some time praying for someone, listening with care, sharing meals together, even serving them when they need help, gives you this amazing opportunity then to speak, to share your story. It's interesting, just this last week, I, had, I was uh, with a friend, a guy... Um, uh, my friendship has grown with over the last few years, and um, talking to someone with, about faith, I mean, we've, I've prayed for him, I've uh, listened a lot with care, 
Uh, we were actually eating together at the time, and we've had other meals together. Um, I'm not sure how I've served him yet, but even, the, even though doing those first few, the time that I spent with him, when we started talking, I, it gave me the opportunity. I had the, the, we had the relationship where I could ask him very specifically about, about faith. And we had this amazing conversation. And then I could also share my faith and why I believe what I do. And, and I'm still praying like, that God will use um, the things that we've talked about um, to help him grow in faith, maybe even to begin believing in Jesus. So uh, just to say that I've seen from firsthand experience how this process, how this way of living uh, can bless people, first of all, for their own sake, but also give us an opportunity to encourage them in faith. So that's the first. But also I'm hoping that we don't approach this as just a sermon series. Bless is hopefully way more than just a sermon series. I don't mean this to just be theological food for thought. My hope is that blessing people, this acronym, this way of, will become a way of life for us, a way that we do things as followers of Jesus. And I hope, too, that it's not just, this, this doesn't come across to you as, as a program that the church, you know, this is the, the May program for the church. I pray that it's not just a program for us, that it is a way of life of blessing people. It's interesting, I, I was doing some study for this, and um, there was a, I came across a story about this person who did, um, they studied two different groups who went to Thailand, <clears throat> two Christian groups. One of them was a Christian group who went there to bless people. And then there was another group who went there to convert people. And they said um, uh, a few things. One is the finding afterwards. They found the people who went to bless, who went to bless people, um, the social betterment of their community that they went into was pretty amazing. Like people's lives were, were tangibly better. They went to bless people, help with things, you know, food, uh, clean water, um, microloans, you name it. They, they went to bless people just to help them. Um, and then the other group went, you know, to tell them about Jesus uh, or to convert them to Christianity. And it's interesting. So the, the first group, blessing, and just the social betterment that happened, just people's lives were changed and helped. But here's the interesting part. The people who went to bless, they found that actually 50 times, five zero times more people came to faith having been blessed than the group who came with a religious conversion, with the group who was trying to convert. That was pretty powerful for me. I mean, I've had this sense for a long time, but it comes back down to people don't really care how much you know until they know how much you care. And that we as a church, when we come to convert people, man, people's defenses go right up, right? Maybe some of you remember the times when you, before you were still a Christian, or before you were a Christian, of people would come to convert you. You know, it just, it feels like people are using you and abusing you, like they don't really even care about you. Now, it's not to say that there aren't some times when you have that amazing time, where you first time you meet someone, you're able to share faith with them, or they ask you about faith, like, Awesome. But I find, especially in our community here, if we will bless people for their sake, for the long run, you know, maybe they never come to faith, but if we will still bless them, God will use that to, to do amazing things. Fruit will come out of that versus just trying to convert people. Because the thing is, so often when people get focused on converting, 
They give you maybe a few weeks, maybe a few months, but maybe even if they're really, really gracious, maybe a few years, but then they just give up on you and they go to somewhere else. And you're left feeling like, you know, they didn't really even care about it. We, I didn't know, were we even friends? So blessing people. This is, I'm, I think this is a, I want to advocate this for us as a church, that we would be a church of blessers more so than converters. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. That we would go and we would bless people. Because I think that will provide amazing opportunity for people to say, one, people ask, why are you doing this? You know, why are you helping me? Or it would be an opportunity for us to ask, you know, we've been friends for years now. Or we've become good friends over the last few months. I have to ask, you know, what do you believe about these things? And because of your relationship, then you can begin saying or sharing really how you feel. And it's not that you're trying to, to force something on them, but you're just talking as friends. Well, as I've been studying this week about um, Bless and about the, the passage, it comes out of uh, Mark, the first chapter of Mark, and it talks about Jesus praying, and we'll get into it. But uh, as I've been reading it, I've been, a few things that I've been realizing. One is I've been convicted of how central prayer is to Jesus' mission. As you read through Luke's gospel, it t- numerous places it talks about Jesus going away to pray, to a solitary place or early in the morning to pray, about how foundational prayer is to his life and to his mission, the mission that he is on. So that was convicting for me uh, because, and I, maybe some of you as well, because so oftentimes, um, well, as we go out into mission, we think I'm going to go help somebody. You know, prayers, you know, sometimes like a little flash, like, Lord, please help me as I go do this. Okay. Um, versus taking time to pray for people regularly. So it's convicting for me. The other two was focus. Um, and we'll talk about this, but there's all sorts of things going on. People wanting Jesus' time and attention. And so he goes away early in the morning to pray and this refocus. And we'll talk about how after his prayer, things move, directions change for him. So prayer helps us stay focused on mission. Um, and then the third one, too, um, was, was refocus, but also, too, just how much um, we need God's, uh, to rely on him, that this isn't just up to us. You know, that we, I don't know about you, but I mean, after living for a few years in this community, um, mission, talking with other people about faith in the hopes that they might see who Jesus is, too, uh, can be pretty discouraging. And we can talk with people that we really care about. It's something that has meant so much to us in our lives about Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection. It means so much to us. And because we believe in it, we also believe like it means it's, the, it's a way of life eternal and life more full. And we so desperately want this for other people in our community. It's, it's heartbreaking when people um, can write us off or you know, say thanks but no thanks or even ridicule us because of those beliefs. So, like, I'm realizing it's convicting, too, of needing prayer to, um, one, to be fruitful, to see fruit come of our, um, of our faithfulness and blessing other people. But it comes uh, down to prayer. I'm wondering, too, like, if I'm, I'm sure some of you have felt some of these same things about, you know, wanting to be involved in encouraging other people in faith, and yet there's so many things happening. You know, you're busy with with uh, things going on um, at the park or with your kids or even at the church, we get so busy that mission tends to take a backseat. And by mission, maybe in, some people are used to the uh, a word like outreach or those sort of things, but um, that sort of stuff can take a backseat because life gets so busy. Anybody can relate to that? 
Another thing, too, is just, just how discouraging it can be, right? <clears throat> as we pray for people, as we talk with people, as we encourage them, and years go by and they're still like, yeah, not for me, no thanks. Like how, how discouraging that can be for us. Well, I think there's some, there's some help in Scripture. I know there is. That's why I read it a lot. Um, but if you would, open up your uh, bulletins or Bibles or even better. Uh, if you've got a Bible, open that up. That up. Uh, and let's read together this passage from Mark. This is from Mark chapter 1, verse 35 to 39. So it reads, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go, else, let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in, the, in their synagogues and driving out demons. Let's pray that we would hear God's word this morning. Father in heaven, Lord God, we praise you for your word. Lord Jesus, we praise you for your example for us. Lord, that you are a God on mission and that we follow you into it. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would guide us, that you would help us hear uh, the word today. Amen. So in this passage, it just, it's just a short passage, and it's so hard to do this, you know, because, I mean, Luke, or sorry, Mark's gospel moves so fast. And what we don't read there is that actually this is the morning after a huge day for Jesus, and it's the first part of, of Mark's gospel. It talks about he went to a synagogue and he cast a demon out of a man at the synagogue. Then after that, he went to, Simon's Peter, to Simon Peter's house, and, Simon, uh, and Peter says, hey, by the way, my mom is sick. Can you heal her? So he heals her. And then all of a sudden the town starts gathering at the door. We've heard there's a healer here. Uh, Jesus is doing miraculous things. Can we be healed? And it talked in Luke's gospel. It said he touched all of them, that all these people were healed. I mean, it's just like into the night, this huge day of healing people. And then the next morning, early the next morning, and actually in the Greek it says very early in the night, so it's still dark out, Jesus goes out to a deserted place to pray. And by the fact that he went early in the morning, um, one suggests a couple things to me. One is priority. It was not only the first thing he did in the morning, but it was so important that he got up early to do it. He got up early to go and to pray. So first thing is priority, but also, too, of how it set the direction for him. Prayer in the morning set the rest of his day. How important it was that he got up so early. Okay, so then, so Jesus begins early, and then it says he went to a deserted place. Now, in the Hebrew scriptures, the deserted place, um, for, for most people, uh, kind of versed in the Old Testament, the deserted place starts to sound a lot like wilderness. And in the, in the Hebrew world, um, and in Jesus' time, the desert was a place of repentance. It was a place of focus, of getting away from distractions. It was a place where you went to get closer to God and to grow in faith. So Jesus goes to this deserted place. And it's interesting because in the text here, um, and at verse 36, it says, Simon and his companions went to look for him. And it's funny, I was reading um, in one of the commentaries, they're talking about how NIV kind of smooths it over for us. 
that actually in the Greek it says Simon and these people, they, went, they were pursuing him. They were after him. Jesus, you don't know. All these people are, are seeking you. They're looking for you. We've got tons of priorities and you're out here praying. Like, do you understand how, how many people want what you have right now? You know, like how good things are going maybe? I can't help but wonder if, if Simon and the other disciples, if they're starting to think, man, things are like we've just started and things are already started off. I mean, the whole town is gathered. Jesus, we've got priorities. We've got big stuff happening and you're out here praying. It reminds me of the tyranny of the urgent. I think that's the phrase that Stephen Covey coined years ago. And that it is the, it undermines mission in our lives. I know it undermines mine. I mean, like, it's pretty embarrassing to say it, but how many times I drive by people who are walking on the road, who I know them, they're friends. They aren't following Jesus, so far as I know. And because I'm rushing off to a meeting at the church or whatever, trying to get stuff done at my house, I'm just like, fly right by them and wave as I go. <laughs> I'm not, I mean, there's sometimes when, you know, there are important things we need to do, but for me, I find it happens a lot because I'm packing my days full of stuff rather than, like in our community, <clears throat> how easy it is to just pull over from, or even just stop in the middle of the lane, right? <laughs> the middle of the road and just talk for five minutes. How are you guys doing? What's going on in your life? Oh, interesting, I didn't know that. Can I pray for you? Busyness is, it undermines mission. It undermines our ability to bless people. And to even, maybe even things that are happening in the church, things can get so busy in the church. We feel like, I don't have time to bless or to care for people because I've got stuff I need to do at the church, you know, this weekend and then three nights a week. And the tyranny of the urgent can undermine our mission, our focus on people. But I love it too how Jesus replies to them. He says, you know, they say, you know, everybody's seeking you. And I think Peter's probably talking about the day before, referring to that as like, like, here, things are kind of, like, things are taking off, Jesus, better than we expected. I think we're on to something here. And then what does Jesus say? He says, let's go somewhere else, to the neighboring villages. Which, I could just imagine Peter in his mind just thinking, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, things are awesome here. You're a star here. And you want to just go off to someplace else? I think about how Jesus, how he prayed that, that early morning. And I wonder, I mean, it doesn't say exactly what he prayed or what came of it, but I can't help but think as, as the text, the way that Mark writes it, the way he tells the story, so we're meant to see that Jesus, there is a change in direction, that through his prayer that morning, Jesus realized something. That God was speaking to him and said, your mission is not just to be healing people in your hometown, but to go to all these other towns and to preach the good news. Because Jesus says, I have to go to these other places and preach. That's why I've come. And blessing people, like healing them is important. It's a part of it. But it's not the whole reason why I've come. I didn't just come to do miraculous things. I come to proclaim this good news that the kingdom of God has come, has come close, has come near. So Jesus goes. And he takes his group with him. And they start traveling to the nearby towns. 
And as I'm thinking about this, I realize how Jesus as a model for us of prayer in the morning, one that it's a priority, one that it's important, that it refocused him, that he relied on prayer, so he began there, but also how it directed him in ministry. That he wasn't just doing what, you know, pragmatically made the most sense. He was going where God sent him. He was going to the places where God was calling him to go. So mission moves us. Or sorry, prayer moves us in mission. It guides us in that. So I started thinking about us, you know, as we start praying uh, to bless people. And I started thinking about how praying blesses us, it, it, it uh, petitions God, it invites God into it, and it blesses the people that we pray for. First of all, it, it blesses us, helps us stay focused, help us to remi- helps us to remember uh, our, our top job. You know, so often we can think of mission as one of those things that other people do, the really spiritual kind or the really outgoing kind. That's something for them. But as we start praying for mission, it reminds us that it is all of us are called into mission. All of us are called to encourage others in faith. And maybe it's not standing up on a stage or in front of hundreds of people. Maybe it's just talking over a cup of coffee with that good friend of yours to encourage them, to bless them. So praying keeps us, it helps us stay focused that we all have mission. Not only that, but God uses it to direct us. Uh, how many times um, have you heard the stories, or maybe some of you have stories, of when you prayed, Lord, please show me how, I, how do I connect with this person? How can I bless this person? Or even, who do you want me to go to today? And I see Bernie shaking her head. Yeah, yeah. That God will speak to us. God will guide us if we will ask him. The other thing, too, is that's pretty amazing is that it helps us to remain reliant on God. I'm, I'm horribly uh, self-independent um, in thinking, like, I've got a good idea. I'm just going to go do it. You know, God, wait till you see the fruit from it. <laughs> right? Thankfully, none of you have that problem, right? Um, But praying each morning reminds me who's in charge, who's guiding me, and how I'm going to be the most fruitful if I'm doing what he has set out for me rather than my, uh, just my great idea. So when it helps me to to stay more reliant on him, and I found too, like, like encouraging others in faith, if it's on us, it can be extremely frustrating. Why won't you just change the way you think and believe, Right? But I think about even my own faith. I mean, I was telling the story today, like the moment when I came to faith in Christ, like really devoted my life to him, there was nobody else in the room. There was no one there trying to convince me. There was no one there giving me five spiritual laws or walking me through Romans Road. There was none of that. It was just revelation. Now, that's not to say that people can't obviously be helpful, but it also has always helped me to see that it's the Holy Spirit who works in us. So for us to be patient and gracious with people who just say, you know what, that's great for you. It just doesn't make sense for me. For us to be patient, that we rely on the Holy Spirit. And the more we rely on God, the more we rely on him, the more our faith will grow in that as well. So it's good for us to pray. One, because it helps us stay focused. Two, because we know kind of where we're supposed to go, how we're supposed to bless people. And two, because it helps us to rely on God and that will grow our faith. So praying... I know it seems sort of selfish, right? The whole first thing I talked about is how it helps us. <laughs> okay. But it also does some amazing things too. It calls God into it. It invites God into it. And I don't want to get into conversations of God's sovereignty and predestination, all that stuff. I do know that prayer 
God listens to prayer, and he will do things. He, would, he will change um, what he's going to do about things because we pray. And the, this amazing example of this I think of um, is uh, in the Old Testament and in, in, in the story of Genesis, or in, in the book of Genesis, um, God comes to visit Abraham, tells him he's going to have a son, and Sarah laughs. He says, why are you laughing? If you're going to have a son in your old age. And then he says, but we've also come to destroy this neighboring town of Sodom and Gomorrah for the horrible things that they have, they have been doing. I've heard the cries from the people around them. It's horrible, and we're going to destroy it. Well, Abraham has family living there, Lot and his family. And he says, you're going to destroy the whole city, even the good with the bad? I mean, there's righteous people living there. What if there was 50? And the Lord says, well, if, there's, if you can find 50, I won't destroy it. Well, what about 40? about all the way down to 20? What about 10? And, I mean, there's lots of stuff about that story, but the thing for today that I want us to hear is that Abraham, in in talking with God, God changed his direction. He he ultimately did destroy uh, Sodom and Gomorrah because there was so much evil there, uh, in the sense of putting them out of their own misery. Um, But he was listening to Abraham. Abraham's prayer, Abraham's petition to God changed what God was going to do or how he was going to do it. He said, even if you find 10, I won't destroy it. So that speaks to me how prayer from us matters. You know, and as we talk about mission and encouraging others in faith, you know, I still don't think God's just going to like force somebody to believe. I think God, there's some free will in this. But I think it will change how God works in it works in their lives. I think God may listen to us and maybe just the thing that, that God says, you know what, you're right. And he changes the way they think. So when it calls God into it. And also too, it, it calls us, it helps us um, for God to reveal what he's doing like to guide us. So we're praying, God, Lord, please show me. So one, it helps us to rely on him. But also too, God will show us. The Lord will show us and it will, it will bless us, but also God is at work in our lives. So, one, it's a blessing to us, helps us grow in, in our faith in the Lord, helps us stay focused, but also it calls God into it. The other thing, too, is it's a blessing to the person that we pray for. You know, maybe, maybe they don't know it for years and that we are praying on their behalf that the Lord would work in their life, that the Lord would bless them. And maybe they go for years thinking like, oh, well, that was a wonderful coincidence that that totally worked out for me. Well, that was a wonderful thing that I had this horrible sickness and now I'm healed. Like, wow, what a, what a great body I have. You know, maybe they go years not seeing what happened. But it's pretty amazing, one, that it blesses them in its own right, but also, two, if they ever do, hopefully if they, when they do come to faith. And then you're able to say to them, I've been praying for you for months, or I've been praying for you for years, or I've been praying for you for decades. How powerful that is. Some of you have stories like that where you know of people, before you became a follower of Jesus, you know of people who were praying for you and how much that means to you now that you are a follower. So praying for others not only blesses us, it calls God into it, and it blesses the people that we pray for. So bless is this this um, way of living, of beginning with prayer, listening with care, eating together, 
serving with love and sharing our story. But it begins with praying. And if you, if you just open this up, it has these two like bookmarks. And hopefully this doesn't seem like, like too slick or gimmicky, but they try to just be as helpful as they can. This comes from uh, the Evangelical Covenant Church, um, the denomination. But you can just tear these off. Like you just, and you can put it in your Bible. And you can just write down the names of people who are already connected to relationships, whether they're friends or family or neighbors, maybe even people who come to this church once in a while. Just, you can write their name down and commit to praying for them. Imagine what God would do in us, first of all, as we begin praying faithfully, how our focus would stay on blessing people, especially those three or five people. Imagine how God would work in us. But imagine what he would do in people's lives. Imagine um, those three to five people, if we, can, if we consistently prayed for them, if we committed to consistently pray for them, over the next three weeks, over the next three months, the next six months, the next year. Imagine what could happen in their lives if we were committed to praying for them for that time. Now, think about your three to five friends and then start to think about the three to five friends of every person in this room. What God could do in our community if we were praying for them, if we were committed to praying for them. I'm convinced that we would see people here who would begin gathering with us on Sunday to praise God. And they'd be talking with others about how amazing it is that they, they see now who Jesus is. For some reason, somehow, the fact that he rose again just makes sense to them. They, they, they believe it now. And it has begun to change their life. Imagine how that will feel. <laughs> Imagine if these seats, the seat next to you that's empty, is filled with that person that you've been praying for for the last six months. So this is what I would like us to do. This week, commit to, at least just this week to start, to writing down your three to five people that you'd like to pray for. And if you're here this morning, you're saying, you know, Jason, I'm not even sure I believe this stuff yet. I'm kind of just visiting. <laughs> like, go ahead and write it down if you want. Like, see what God does. Take me up on this. You know, maybe God will do amazing things and you'll see people and you'll think like, I'm not even sure what I believe yet. And all of a sudden you're talking with people, praying for them. See what God does. So if you would, take the next week, uh, write down three, maybe five people that you will commit to pray to, or commit to pray for. Don't pray to them, pray for them. But you'll commit to pray for. And let's see what God does. All right?